2: Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it.
1: Find Ear Hustle wherever you get
2: your podcasts.
3: Partly cloudy skies. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up in just a moment, from mental health to de-stressing through the use of plants
1: to this. I think yoga is even more valuable in this era of COVID-19 because it gives us a way to move our bodies, to breathe in a healthy way, and to quiet our minds.
3: We focus on health and wellness. But first, our daily update on the number of confirmed coronavirus cases here in Georgia and nationwide. Now, Georgia is among four states, California, Florida, Texas, and New York, when it comes to the total number of confirmed COVID-19 cases. At this time here in Georgia, the State Department of Public Health reports there are 219,025 cases since March, and the reported number of deaths is 4,229. The number of hospitalizations has reached 20,676, and of those, 3,767 are ICU admissions. And the United States, we should note, has surpassed 5 million confirmed coronavirus cases. In other news, voters are heading to the polls throughout Georgia today for some of those primary runoffs. Here in the Atlanta area, two longtime incumbents are in a runoff to keep their elected positions. That's for Fulton County Sheriff and Fulton County District Attorney. And we'll check in with WABE's Emil Moffitt, who's already been out at some polling locations. Emil, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Rose. At the time of this conversation, you've already checked in on some of the polling locations. What'd you see? What'd you
4: hear? I did not see very many lines. I saw kind of a trickle of voters uh, coming in um, and going out, having voted. It seemed like the process was working uh, fairly smoothly. A couple places I did check out um, had long lines back in June, Um, the Cohen Recreation Center in DeKalb County um, and also uh, in Union City in, in Fulton County places where there were lines and there weren't lines this time. Of course, it is going to be a lower turnout because of the runoff. But by the same token, uh, these were sites where they had uh, combined precincts, combined polling places in the June general primary. Mm -hmm. And that led to a lot of longer lines. So the people that I spoke to there said the fact that there weren't as many voters uh, committed to one location really helped keep the lines moving. And of course, A lot of the technical issues being smoothed out as well have have really kept the lines down.
3: You know, Emil, state and local officials are hopeful that there will not be a repeat of the issues that took place in June, which you just referenced. And a major difference has been the addition of State Farm Arena as a polling location.
4: I think that helped out a lot. Uh, Fulton County uh, went to great lengths to try to encourage early voting. If you'll remember back in June, there were only ended up being eight early voting locations for the three weeks leading up to uh, the June primary, there were 20 locations uh, for this particular primary uh, for this runoff election. And so they really made an effort, including State Farm Arena, to make early voting as accessible as possible to people knew they could go and vote early, get it out of the way, Mm -hmm. and try to save uh, some of the congestion on Election Day itself.
3: You know, Emil, there have been reports that more than 300,000 Georgians have been voting by absentee ballots. However, there are some concerns about not only from the delivery through the post office, but to processing. Has the Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger or any other county elections officials addressed these voter concerns?
4: There are concerns about uh, absentee ballots and mail-in voting, and that's something that that we've seen really uh, kind of some growing pains. Georgia went from traditionally having just 5 to 6% vote early to back in June, 50% voted um, by absentee, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that went from 5% to, uh, up to 50%. And so there were some growing pains in having them delivered, making sure that everybody got the right ballot and that they got it plenty of time to return it. Uh, we have heard reports of, of some ballots, absentee ballots, not being delivered um, for this particular election. And that's certainly something that people are going to have to look into. But the Postal Service is um, going to be a, a major concern, I think, going into November. We've heard a lot about the reforms that are going on at a, at a federal level with mm-hmm. the Postal Service and whether that's going to slow down mail. And so I think what people are encouraging, um, state officials, county officials are encouraging to apply for that absentee ballot as soon as possible so that you can, uh, more likely to get it. And then once you have it and fill it out, if at all possible, go by one of the Dropbox locations and drop it off there. That way uh, you're not having to contend with any mail delays or issues like that. Doing those little things that if you can, if you have the, the wherewithal to do that and the time to do that, that's gonna just make it a lot more, you'll have a lot more assurance that your ballot is going to be there and counted.
3: Let's stay with Fulton County for a moment because we know they weren't alone, but there were a lot of other counties that uh, had some issues, but Fulton County uh, seemed to be that county that was mostly making the news. With State Farm Arena now being used as a polling location, but we're not clear, Emil, whether or not it will be available during November. Has there been Any decision made, or do you know if a decision will be made, and if so, when?
4: As far as I know, it will be. They are planning to use it uh, in the uh, general election, but for early voting only, just like it was for the August runoff.
3: Not Uh, for election Tuesday.
4: Exactly. Um, Because of the rules, uh, the rules state that on election day you have to vote at your precinct, your home precinct, and there's no super voting sites Uh, on election day itself, but they will have three weeks of early voting for the general election at State Farm Arena, the three weeks leading up to it. And they're supposed to have 300 voting machines at the arena for those three weeks of early voting. So really opening up the opportunity for people to go in and vote early and not have to contend with the lines uh, on election day. And they're hoping that that's going to drive a lot of people to go and vote in the three weeks leading up to November 3rd.
3: And Emil, for clarity for our listeners, that's regardless of what county you live in correct or just uh, fulton it, it's
4: um it's all fulton county you have to vote in the county that you that you reside in sure. however any place you live inside fulton county for early voting you can vote at any early voting site on election day itself you have to vote in your home precinct uh, the precinct that you're assigned to
3: You know, Emil, so much has been made and obviously you've covered this and been covering this for years about issues, whether it's voter fraud or voter suppression. What are you hearing now from both sides of these issues in terms of advocacy groups or even elected officials being confident that, you know, there won't be any voter fraud or there won't be any voter suppression happening? Of course, that depends on whom you ask. (laughs)
4: Sure, absolutely. I think there, there are still very diverging views out there on how things are going to go in November. I think elections officials from the county level are really trying to do their best to try to iron out some of the issues. That includes more hands on in person training for poll workers, becoming more familiar with the equipment. They're trying to encourage people to either vote by mail or vote early to try and reduce some of the lines on election day. So I think there really is an effort on the county level to try to solve some of these problems. And I think if some of those problems do go away, then you'll start to hear less from both sides of the issue as far as uh, the, the allegations of fraud or allegations of suppression. I think if things go smoothly in November, you'll hear a lot less of that. And I think that's what everybody in the end wants is for a smooth mm-hmm. election uh, that's gonna kind of uh, eliminate all those concerns.
3: All right, WABE's Emil Moffat out and about, Emil. At the time of this conversation, you're going to go back out to some polling locations?
4: Yeah, looking forward to checking out the afternoon and seeing if uh, if the lines pick up at all or if they continue uh, to kind of go in and out with the voting process. So, uh, so we'll see what the afternoon goes after a very quiet morning.
3: All right, Emil, stay safe, stay hydrated. <laughs> it's
4: hot out there. It is hot out there. Thank you, Emil. Thanks, I-, Rose.
3: I appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. You know, we like to think around here that every edition of Closer Look is for you, the community. Well, today's entire program is really for you. It's about your mind, your body, and all the wellness that goes along with this during this time. Suggestions on improving one's overall health and wellness. Well, we are in a pandemic, so obviously some of you may not be able to get to the gym Or do those things that you like to do that help de-stress. So, for months now, right, we've all have adapted or tried to adapt to a different way of life. All these uncertainties created by the pandemic, we know. So we begin this special mind and body wellness edition of Closer Look with Jennifer Lester, Atlanta-based psychotherapist, life coach, and CEO of The Purpose Project. Jennifer, counselor. Hello. How are you?
2: I'm great today, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me on Closer Look.
3: Well, we appreciate that. Thank you for being a part of this very special program. Let's start here. Reflect on this current climate that we're in as it relates to the pandemic and also the other issues that our nation is grappling with, protests, politics, and everything in between. This can all obviously have an effect on folks mentally and emotionally and physically.
2: Rose, it is absolutely have an effect on people all of those ways, socially, emotionally. I see a lot of people, my client base has definitely increased. And one of the common things that they're saying is that their inability to focus. Hmm. And I believe that the inability of focus comes because right now our mind and our body is in survival mode. And what that looks like is that, you know, your primary needs, if you look at your hierarchy, your primary need, that food, water and shelter, we're concerned about, if I'm gonna still have income. We're concerned about, can I walk out my house and come back safe, alive, uh, whether it's from the COVID-19 or the pandemic or the racial relations that's happening here. So all we can think about right now is our mind has one job and one job only is to keep us alive. And so it's allowing us not to be able to be at focus on work, creating anxiety, depression a lot of the times.
3: So you're saying we need to prioritize our mental and emotional health As well as all those basic survival needs that we we have to make available that we have to provide for ourselves.
2: Absolutely. Because you think about this. If you had symptoms of uh, shortness of breath or uh, stuffy nose or fever, you would immediately call your physician. You would go to the doctor. You would schedule some type of appointment. Sometimes with mental health, a lot of the times there aren't physical things that you can see or you can easily recognize And even if we do because we don't think they're life of death, uh, sometimes we don't take them as seriously, but they are. They absolutely are life of death.
3: And for folks like you, your clients used to come into your office. They could, if they're seeing you or someone else, all that's changing now. So your current clients, and maybe you've picked up some new clients, has the focus been how to adapt and work through all of this?
2: It is. Individual therapy, they've been trying to figure out how to make this work. While virtually is an awesome substitution, you can't replace that good Personal contact, the energy that's shared in that office space, that uh, feeling of relaxation because it's such a comfortable, familiar place. So that piece is kind of adjustment when I'm looking at you through the computer uh, screen and I'm just dressed up, uh, rose from the from the waist up, on the <laughs> bottom may still have pajamas on. You know, I'm to in, so it's just a different feel. And trying to have them to convey that energy via uh, internet.
3: Well, Jennifer, what are you suggesting to people? How do you cope with this for those that may not be able to seek counseling even through the virtual pathway what kind of basic suggestions and tips can you offer to folks to to mentally and emotionally deal with this time they were all in
2: you know, a few a few different things I can offer is uh, the supportive friend group. It's still figuring out how to create a new norm in your scheduling. And so um, creating a schedule, because you have a schedule right now, whether you know it or not. You've, your body's created one, you have one. Create you a schedule that works for you. Although I'm not seeing clients, I said that I'm going to start going back to my office and still seeing them virtually, just a uh, way to get out the house a bit. But also having your group of uh, core group of people that you can share with, uh journaling is excellent you don't have to see a therapist to be mm-hmm. able to do that it gives you a confidential free way to be able to uh, to let out what's happening in the inside and those positive affirmations you can't beat a road. you speak to yourself more than you speak to anybody else in this world why not make it positive
3: how do you do that if you encouraging someone to speak to oneself someone listening says well how do I do that do I just try to ha- try to manufacture this positive attitude that could be very challenging for some people
2: absolutely you know what so I, I'm an author of a book called 14 ways to find your amazing and in this book I talk about those affirmation pieces in there and I, I believe that the universe doesn't answer half-hearted, please. So you can't come up with some generic kind of you know, affirmation. Oh, I'm beautiful, I'm great, I want money. It's, it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking to yourself, when you're using the power of manifestation, when you're using, I'm a cognitive behavior therapist, so I believe that your thoughts affect your behavior, and if you change your thoughts, you change your behavior. Ultimately, you change your life. Mm. And so the thoughts that you have, I'm very specific with my affirmation. I, I talk about I'm never lost or alone, the same force that guides the universe, guides me. I talk about no matter where I should go, love will always find me and so when you're doing that starting off but beginning very specific and that's actually an exercise that i do with clients creating an affirmation that's specifically for you
3: creating your own affirmation specifically for you because nobody knows you better than you
2: nobody knows and then as that's a cognitive behavior and a law of attraction practitioner I said, watch your thoughts. The universe is eavesdropping on your thoughts. And so everything that you do from every action begins simply with a thought. And keeping those thoughts very positive. And sometimes it's hard, but uh, if you desire to have a positive life, you can't have a negative mind. And that's part of what we teach is, you know, changing some of those thoughts, challenging yourself, reframing from those things. One of the things that I'm good, and most of my clients, Rose, uh, are African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we come in sometimes with some guards up because it, it is uh, the stigma, not stigma The
3: stigma tied to yes. seeking mental health. Yes, that's very real in the black community.
2: It's very real. Uh, particularly when you think about this, there was a, um, some, some research that I was reading that was talking about how African-Americans are more likely to be diagnosed with schizophrenia and less likely to be diagnosed with a mood disorder compared to the white counterparts. they with the same symptoms, same thing, and they're more likely to be offered, you know, the medication instead of being uh, the therapy pieces that's going with it. And I, possibly because... Uh, with the American Association, you know, Psychological Association, which is the highest standard, only 2% of those are African Americans. And so then you start worrying about, will it be cultural competent practices that others offers or people who know our community mm-hmm. and so to them it may seem a oh, wow but then it's the norm in our community There may just be some things that need some therapy and be able to be worked through but if you never experience that it's harder for you to be able to offer that sound clinical advice.
3: Jennifer as we wrap up what do you want to leave our listeners with about prioritizing one's emotional and mental health during this time?
2: Well I would love to leave them with I want them to take it serious and being um been a good good assessment of themselves and knowing when I'm in a funk, when no longer talking to my friends will work, uh, and I'm still in that place, and being okay with saying that I need somebody professional, I need some help outside of that, looking at coaching as a partnership, and not I'm weak because I'm going to therapy, uh, but I am uh, very much strong because I've decided to use this, and so looking at it as a strength for deciding that, and not necessarily a weakness. Hmm.
3: Jennifer Lester, an Atlanta-based psychotherapist, life coach, and CEO of The Purpose Project and so many other initiatives. Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for kicking off our, our health and wellness program today on Closer Look. I really appreciate it. All right,
2: thank you, Closer Look. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta And you're listening to Closer Look here on
3: 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. As we continue our conversation surrounding health and wellness during this pandemic, we now turn to Miriam Fields, registered yoga teacher and sound bath practitioner. She's been offering an online yoga class for women age 40 and older called Slow Your Roll Yoga. And peep this. The class is taught in a way that makes it accessible for those who can and cannot get down on the floor. We'll get into all that in just a moment. And a programming note, all of today's segments are featuring experts in their field. But as always, we encourage you to always proceed to do your own research and consult with a primary health care provider.
1: So on that note, Miriam, welcome to Closer Look. I really appreciate you taking the time. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for asking me. And I feel really honored to be here today.
3: Well, let's begin here because from your viewpoint, what are some of the biggest misconceptions you feel folks have about yoga?
1: Hmm. Well, there are a lot of misconceptions. I'd like to start with the one where people say, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. And that's like saying, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. I'm not um, clean enough to take a bath. So in yoga, you start where you are, wherever that is, um, no matter what your flexibility is, your range of movement or motion, or your strength. And so yoga can be taught in a way that's accessible to all bodies, um, no matter the size or the shape, um, to all ages um, and all abilities. And so um, we can use a lot of modifications and props to make all the poses accessible. Um, so that's that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to just start, start where you are. Um, and it's not a contest to see how bendy you are. You don't get any prizes for who's the, the bendiest in the class. <laughs> in fact, um, we discourage competition between you and the person next to you or even competition with yourself, like what you did yesterday may not be what you can do today. And that's, that's fine. It's still all yoga. So um, that's one of the misconceptions. And I think um, one of the things that I say often on social media and in the slow your roll yoga class is if you can breathe, you can do yoga. So yoga really is for everybody and every body. I think another misconception when I think about myself and why it took me so long to start a yoga practice I think, in my mind, I imagine that it would be unpleasant, it would be painful. It would confirm um, that I had lost a lot of strength and flexibility. Um, and, um, And I think that keeps people from starting any kind of exercise, but definitely from starting yoga. And I just want to say, like, it doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be hard. And in the class, I say, listen to your body. And if you need to um, stop a pose or come back to easy pose, if you spend the whole class just in easy pose or laying on your back in, um, in corpse pose, that's that's still yoga. Like the, the, your greatest accomplishment is getting to the class, really. Um, and so it, it doesn't have to be unpleasant.
3: Let's talk about your yoga journey. When and how did it begin?
1: Well, I started yoga um, consistently. I had dabbled with yoga, but never really stuck with it um, when I was younger. But I would say maybe two, about two years ago, um, mm-hmm. my mother passed away um, suddenly. And um, it was life altering, as, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the earth had kind of shifted on its axis. And I was searching for relief from my grief and my suffering. And um, and I also, given her chronic health issues over many years, I thought, I don't wanna have the same health trajectory as my mom, I wanna do something different. And so for whatever reason, I reached out um, and connected with yoga. And it was <laughs> unpleasant, the class that I joined Um, was very hard for me um, and a lot of the things I couldn't do. But the good news was because I couldn't do any of the things mostly, um, there was nowhere for me to go but up. Like I could only get better and I had no expectations, you know, to put my left toe in my right ear um, at all. (laughs) And so I just stuck with it and I didn't know how and I didn't know why, but it was helping me. Going to that class helped me to feel better. And I just stuck with it. And then I discovered that I, I could see improvements very quickly, small improvements, but those improvements meant a lot to me. And it made me feel as if I could get to a healthier place, I could get to a place where I didn't um, get out of bed and feel all achy breaky. Like I was starting at that point in my life, I was starting to feel my age, you know, like I was getting out of bed and feeling achy. And, um, and I felt like I could kind of reclaim my flexibility, my range of motion and my strength through yoga. And it just, um, all I knew was that I felt good in yo- doing yoga. I felt good after doing yoga. I felt good going to yoga. And I just, I just kept doing it. Um, and I, I found that it was a wonderful thing that I, I want to share with others. And and I'm, I'll just say I, I, I'm 55, so I started two years ago. Um, and I know other the other ladies that come to the Slow Your Roll yoga class in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they're just starting. And so I, I want to inspire others, you know, start where you are. It's never too late.
3: You mentioned how helpful yoga was for you during that time after the loss of your mother and our condolences on that so not only as a teacher but one who partakes in yoga has it been especially cathartic or or helpful during this time because hey we're all in a pandemic here
1: yeah absolutely i think in this era of covid 19 there's so much grief just so so much grief and not just in our families our communities, our country, but the entire world is is grieving um, as a result of this pandemic. And then there's a lot of isolation. Mm -hmm. I mean for people who live alone, um, they've been in isolation since March. Um, There's a lot of anxiety about the future. And then also people are more sedentary. Um, You know, we kind of sometimes we don't get my house You know, it's like, what did you do today? And it's like, well, I I moved from the couch to the kitchen (laughs) and then to the bathroom, like all probably within, you know, like six feet, you Mm -hmm. know, of each other. Um, And so people are a lot more sedentary. Um, And so I think yoga is um, even more important, even more valuable in this era of COVID-19 because it gives us a way to move our bodies, to breathe in a healthy way and to quiet our minds. And all those things are important because the stress in our minds can have an impact on our health. When we're feeling stressed, we breathe in a very shallow way, which is not good for our bodies. Mm -hmm. It's reduced oxygen. And then movement is um, very important, not only for our bodies, but our minds. There's a lot of research that says, you know, the the amount of movement you have in your day can impact the health of your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all these things are important. And the beautiful thing about yoga is that you can do it at home. Like there's lots of online classes like my own Um, and you don't need expensive equipment to do it like we have yoga props we have blocks and we have bolsters and we have those things but when I teach my class I I teach it for people who may not have that at home so if you don't have a yoga block I bet you have a big old dictionary that's two (laughs) or three inches or a big book you have some pillows you have a blanket you can fold up Um, and so I think that's the wonderful thing about yoga and you can you can do it for an hour a day Or you can do it for 15 minutes in the morning and squeeze some yoga poses into your afternoon. You can break it up in the way that you want to. Um, It's very flexible um, and and everybody can do it. So I think it's yoga can be extremely valuable during the pandemic.
3: So with the Slow Your Roll yoga, the online class,
1: did you see an increase in women joining? And how did this come about? Yeah, I've been partnering with Zami Nobla. And they we've been talking about doing a yoga class for women 40 and older in person. And then when, you know, we started to do social distancing, Marian Adams approached me and said, Hey, would you be willing to do something online? And I was happy to do it because I wasn't able to teach yoga classes in person. And so I was kind of longing for that as well. And so we started doing the classes online. And I think in the first the first class that we did was, I don't know, I think it was like maybe 30 or 40 women attended the class. We were just blown away. Wow. And I think the reason the class is so popular is because it's tailored for women 40 and older. And I don't know that there are too many classes that are tailored for this demographic. And I teach the class so that um, if you can get on the floor... Um, and stand and do the poses, great. You can do the the, the class that way. But if you can't get down on the floor, or if if you're thinking, I think I can get down on the floor, but I don't know if I can get back up, then this class is for you. So I teach Mm it so you can sit in the chair and do the poses. You can use the support of the chair um, if we're doing standing poses, or you can also do the poses on the floor. So it's something for everyone. We do a combination of yoga poses or asanas Mm -hmm. we do yogic breathing which is pranayama and we also do meditation all mixed into the class and it's for about an hour an hour and five minutes and then for the last 10 minutes after that so it's all an hour and 15 minutes for the last 10 minutes of the class we do a chat so people can ask me questions and they can share what the class was like what they liked what was Mm -hmm. challenging for them and um, it's a nice way to connect online. So it's not like people just do the class and then disperse, we actually get to talk to each other, which I really enjoy that part of the class.
3: Now Miriam, we know this is radio, but we're going to take just about a minute or so, and allow you to take our listeners through one of the poses or breathing exercises. So we're going to do this just for a little bit over a minute, folks, and then we'll come back to the conversation. Is there one we could do?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll do a a short one. Okay. Okay. So take a comfortable sitting position
3: I'm in my chair-hmm
1: um, keep your spine straight or straightish um, place your feet flat on the floor um, parallel and facing forward feel your sitting bones ground down into the cushion of your chair and your sitting bones are the bony protrusions in your in your butt Bring your neck in alignment with your spine and your chin parallel to the floor. Inhale your shoulders up towards your ears and exhale and roll them back and down. Lengthen your spine as if a string is pulling the top of your head up, up, up into the ceiling. And if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. Or you can find a spot in front of you for a soft gaze.
3: Now, to get the extended version of what we just went through, just head to our website, wabe.org slash closer look, and you can see Miriam in the video that's posted. Miriam, as we wrap up, I read something via social media that you had posted. Quote, bring an open mind and heart. What do you want to leave our listeners with about yoga and de-stressing, if you will? During this time in, in our lives, I
1: I would I would say um, it's a great time to start a regular yoga practice, even if it's just to do the yogic breathing, or to do the meditation, or just pick one one yoga pose that you do. It's just, We have the time; we we're, we're at home a lot, um, and start the practice. Um, so you can bring in that movement, um, that healthy breathing, and to quiet the mind um, because there's a lot a lot going on in our minds. and to just take a break from the media um, and the worrying, just to have a short practice every day where you get a break from from all of that. Today's a perfect day to start.
3: Miriam Fields, registered yoga teacher and sound bath practitioner and creator of slow your roll yoga. Miriam, we're going to have links to all of our segments online, but if folks want to find out more about slow your roll yoga, how can they find you?
1: You can go to centeroftheheart.org, centeroftheheart.org. And that's the, um, I'm a co-founder of the organization. And there's information about all of our services, including slow your roll yoga. We provide pastoral counseling, conflict resolution, and um, and yoga instruction and and practices. So centeroftheheart.org. And the class is on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and it's free until December.
3: Miriam, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for being a part of our our wellness edition of Closer Look. I think our listeners are going to enjoy this. So thank you so much.
1: And thank you for having me. This was
3: great. Now, for an extra bonus, we're going to revisit Chandra Fowler, who says she saw a need in her community for yoga. So she opened up a studio of her own, and we profiled Chandra in our Open for Business series.
0: Sanskrit moon means, um, it's my name, Chandra. Chandra. So, Chandra means moon in Sanskrit. And so before I had this studio, I was working, most yoga teachers are contractors, they work for themselves, they travel and, and work different place, places. Um, that was my, my business name. And then when the studio became open, um, I, I just took it to, to name the studio. And it since has meant a lot more.
3: How did you end up in downtown Hapeville?
0: It's the jewel of the South, the downtown Hayville. <laughs> if you haven't been here, you have to come and see it. Um, approximately, let me see, maybe 11 years ago, me and my husband were looking for something in, in the perimeter that we could find to move to. Um, he didn't want to move into the suburbs, and um, we were trying to find a location together as a couple that we both agreed on, and we found Hateville. Um, So we've been living here in Hateville. We love Hateville. Our children go to school in Hateville. We kind of work, play, do everything in Hateville, um, for on our weekends, and then we might go in Atlanta proper. Um, but the idea of that being able to work in my neighborhood and to serve my community that I love so much, um, it was a no-brainer.
3: Let's talk about yogurt. Did the practice find you, or did you find the practice?
0: I think a little bit of both. I think that yoga in the back of my head was something that I always wanted to try, um, but felt a bit intimidated, because at that time in my life, I'd never seen a person like me doing it. Um, I hadn't seen a person with um, my type A personality doing it, you know? So where I thought, I was like, oh, I'm not Zen enough, I can't... I'm not that person, I'm not a yoga type of person. Um, And then walked in a boy and he said, hey, took my hand, let's go take a yoga class. Um, And so that was my first yoga class with my husband, my now husband.
3: Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Okay, we know toilet paper, cleaning supplies, and yes, face masks have been in high demand during the pandemic. But here's something you may not have realized or noticed. Local garden centers and greenhouses throughout the nation report plant sales are surging. And as our special edition of Closer Look focusing on wellness, we now turn to someone who says, you know what? Gaining a little more green space inside your space could be one way to de-stress during this time. Her name is Brianna St. Holder, and she's an Atlanta-based plant curator, interior designer, and founder of Free Plants Atlanta. Brianna, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
5: Yes, I'm so happy to be here.
3: So I have this fern, right? This fern in my house. <laughs> How many times have someone said that to you? A lot. Are you surprised at all about what I said in these reports that plant sales are on the rise here? What do you make of that?
5: I'm not surprised at all. I feel like because everyone is in their homes right now, they're looking around and they're like, I need some life in here. I need some joy. I need some happiness. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to go get some plants. And then they get their first plant and they become obsessed and then they go get 20.
3: That's the that's one way of looking at it. But then there's some folks who get a plant and then the next day goes by and then the next day and it's a week and it's two weeks. And it's like, you know what, should I be watering this thing? So before we get into the joys of having plants, what do you want people to know about what is expected of them? It's kind of like if you're going to get a pet for the first time. What do you want folks to know about the responsibility of taking care of your plants to begin with?
5: Well, I feel like the most important thing to know is that all plants have different needs. Mm-hmm. They're like people, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I feel like when people start to understand that, their plant journey will be a lot more successful because i will say, you know what, my cactus and my pothos, for example, and my fern, they don't all need the same thing. So once I do a little bit of research, I can see what different plants need and I can start taking care of them accordingly. Because I feel like what most people do right now is they water all their plants in the same day on, every week. And they're like, oh, this is what I'm doing the right thing. But some plants really like water and some plants are drought tolerant. Mm-hmm. And so once you start starting slow, I find works out better for a lot of people just getting a few plants at a time because you can learn what your plants need over time.
3: Let's talk about your plant journey, Brianna. How did it begin? What's the backstory here?
5: Oh, my goodness okay, how far back do you want me to go?
3: Was it love at first sight for a moss or
5: <laughs> a
3: marigold?
5: <laughs> so what's crazy is that for a long time, I thought that I didn't really have a passion. Mm-hmm. When I moved out of my mom's house, when I graduated college, I was like, I'm going to move up by myself and I'm going to figure out what my passion is. And I kept journaling about that. Right. I was like, please just universe, tell me what my passion is. I just really need to know because people keep asking me and I don't have an answer for them. And so, um, and so you know, I'm just like chilling in my apartment, having a good time, you know. I went to one of my friend's houses and she had about 10 plants sitting in front of a window. And I was like, you know what, that's what I need. I need some plants in my house. And once I did that,
3: yeah,
5: it was a wrap. It was like, it was, I developed this extreme passion for plants and I didn't think that it was going to go there I just thought I was going to go get a few plants to make my house more cute and then I ended up doing like every day I was doing research I was taking online courses I was reading books I was watching YouTube videos I was ordering plants and googling everything and I've never really had a passion like that before and so that's kind of how I fell in love with plants.
3: So you agree you believe that plants can be a form of self-care? Absolutely. How do you define self-care?
5: I think that self-care can look different for everyone. Personally, for me, I feel like um, one of the reasons why plants are part of my self-care, I guess, routine is because it's something that's outside of myself or something that I'm taking care of that I can watch grow. And I feel like that was very confidence boosting for me. Um, and then just like the energy that plants have is very healing. It's green. It's natural. And so just having them in my home just felt like I was like in a healing space. It just made me feel a lot more comfortable.
3: But you're um, on to something.
5: It makes sense. I feel like it's a natural inclination for people to want to have garden space, be that house plants or like growing your own food.
3: Do you like this term plant influencer?
5: I'm not really into it. Yeah. I'm not into it. I, I get it because I, I understand why people say plant influencer because influencer is a huge term right now. So if I was in the yoga and I had a, a huge platform, I would be a yoga influencer, you know? So people obviously associate me with plants, which, I, you know, makes sense, but I feel like influencer is very, it doesn't encompass everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you I, have a following through see, social media. I do. I do have a following, but I feel like, I'm just putting my journey on Instagram. -hmm. I like
3: that. I'm just putting my journey on Instagram. The voice you hear is Brianna St. Holder, and she's an Atlanta-based plant curator, interior designer, and founder of Free Plants Atlanta. And she's a part of today's theme edition of Closer Look, which is all about wellness. Let's talk about something you launched, this Free Plants Atlanta, and you launched it, and then what has happened?
5: I started my own company called Ear Garden, which basically I do plant installations in people's homes, businesses. I teach plant classes. And during quarantine, I was just thinking about, okay, what can I do to make people like feel good? Because a lot of the events that I would be teaching classes that are canceled, I just wanted to do something for like the general public. And so one day on Twitter, I was like, y'all, would y'all be interested? I have some plant cuttings. Would you be interested in me giving away some plants like somewhere in Atlanta and I had an overwhelming response and people were just like of course like absolutely 100% um we would love to come actually could you come to DC could you come to New York we would love for you to do this <laughs> and so that was like two on a Tuesday night and so that Tuesday night I obviously because I'm into plants and I have a business I've developed a positive relationship with a lot of plant nurseries and plant shops and like at 3 a.m. I'm DMing and I'm texting. And um, um, some of the owners of the plant shop's like, it's your girl, Brie. I'm doing this event called Free Plants ATL. Would you mind donating a few plants? One plant shop gave me 150 plants. So I'm like, okay. Wow. This is about to be, and that was just one. I got plants from six shops and I had my own. And so I was like, you know what? This is about to be way bigger. So i like, I got a flyer made. I was like pumping it out and... I got like a team of people, my friends, really, it's a team, but it's like my parents and my friends um, together and they helped me. And I had, I had about 400 plants and we had to turn mm-hmm. away about a hundred people in line. So that's wow. how many
3: when you have these online sessions, what are you talking about? Are you incorporating the self-care? You mentioned it's everyone's own personal journey. or are you going over certain topics? For example, first time plant, owners? Or if you have allergies, maybe these plants work best. If you have a furry freeloaders running around like I do, you know, <laughs> do, you, do you have those? Uh, what are the, some of the topics you, you talk about?
5: This is great, actually, because my friend Mariah of Greenpeace and I, we both, we have plant school. And we launched it originally as a fundraiser. And we donated all the proceeds. But basically, our first plant school that we did was on house plant care 101 so the basics like I know that everyone's in the house plant so we're like people are killing their plants right now because I know <laughs> how it is when you first start you don't know what you're doing so we have um are you together. talking to me Brianna I am, <laughs> I am. Uh, so together we did house plant 101 for the new plant parent and then we also did plant troubleshooting personally alone I've done classes I've done springtime house plant care how to prep your plants for the spring how to plant, prep your plants for the fall and winter how to bring them back in I've done classes on fertilizing I've done classes on tropical house plants there's so many different topics to cover yeah. and plants there's it's not one of those things where you know you're like my leaf is yellow that means one thing your yeah. leaf being yellow could mean 20 different things yeah. so having those classes um it really helps people get an understanding of like, okay, this is like a holistic thing. Your leaves could be yellowing for a lot of different reasons. So I like the classes because people are able to ask me multiple questions. Mm-hmm. I'm able to go over multiple topics off one topic. So like yellowing leaf, I could honestly teach a class on yellowing leaves.
3: Wow. What's mm-hmm. a common mistake first time plant owners usually make?
5: I think the most common mistake is probably overwatering. Yeah. People tend to overwater. Which is
3: very interesting because most of our, my colleagues here at Public Broadcast in Atlanta are away. And my producer, Grace, at a socially distanced, safe space, we, we come into the studio to do these interviews. We are in charge of watering folks' plants <laughs> that they left behind. I am happy to announce that nothing has died yet. I think we might be overwatering Digital's plants. So if the digital team is listening, we're going to cut back a little bit because now that I think about it, Grace is overwatering the plants.
5: (laughs) Well, that's why I'm here to help you. And that's why I'm
3: putting it on Grace. (laughs) All jokes aside, what's a a good plant for a first time plant owner to start with?
5: Oh, what do you think? I I feel like I'm the snake plant ambassador. Snake plants are one of my favorite plants in general, and they're just great for first-time plant owners mm-hmm. they are number one they're very tolerant so they're definitely the kind of plant that you can forget about mm-hmm. not for two months <laughs> <laughs> but snake plants are succulents so they store water in their leaves mm-hmm. so they're the kind of plant that you can water about you know depending on the size once every two weeks and they'll just chill like they like they like bright indirect light they can survive in medium light and they'll and they'll survive in low light. They don't thrive in low light, but you can put them in a lot of different lighting situations and you can forget to water them for a couple weeks and they'll just continue Mm -hmm. to live. They're very tolerant plants. So whenever I think uh, plants that are good for first time, plant parents always think of, okay, what plant is tolerant? Mm -hmm. If I forget to water this plant, is it gonna die? No.
3: It's called a snake
5: plant? Snake plant, Sansevieria. Wow.
3: Brianna, how much fun are you having with your plant journey and your passion all rolled up in one and also being able to maybe inspire others? And you mentioned the self-care when you add all this together. What are your reflections on this and how all this came together for you and what you're doing?
5: I'm so happy you asked me that because I was thinking about this last night. I was like, I'm having fun. (laughs) And it's what I'm doing with my life. It's not just an additional thing. It's not like, well, I'm going to kickball practice every Tuesday and, you know, that's fun for me. This is something I do every day and it's fun. I love it so much. I've really been able to meet some amazing people through my plant journey online and in person. And that's like almost the best part of the community that I've, that I'm a part of now. That's almost the most fun part of it. And, you know, being surrounded by all these plants in my house and taking care of. How
3: many plants you have in your household?
5: 66 and that's actually pretty good for me that's pretty good for me because i just i gave away a good amount of plants for free plants did you say 66 yes
3: okay wow
5: (laughs) i have about 20 outside though so they're not all in my house
3: when is the next free plants atlanta giveaway
5: august 30th
3: all right and folks can (laughs) find more information about you Everybody, everybody's not on Instagram, Brianna, so, you know, how can folks find you? Do they have to be on Instagram? (laughs) Hey,
5: no, I can't believe you're asking me this. I'm working on my website right now. That's okay. (laughs) Will it be up by August 30th? It will be up by August 30th. My website is EarGarden.com. You spell EarGarden, E-A-R-G-A-R-D-N. My Instagram is EarGarden, E-A-R-G-A-R-D-N. And my my Twitter is EarGarden underscore. Oh,
3: what a fun conversation.
5: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
3: Brianna St. Holder, an Atlanta-based plant curator, interior designer, and founder of Free Plants Atlanta. We've been talking about on our special theme show about wellness in the pandemic. And maybe if you can't get out to go biking or running or what have you, but plants can definitely bring a little joy into your life and help de-stress during this time.
5: Brianna, best of luck to you. Thank you so much for having me.
3: That's it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Shelley Knavey. If you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash And of course, you can listen to Closer Look weeknights at 8 p.m. And listen whenever you want, because Closer Look is now available as a podcast. Just visit NPR One or your favorite streaming app and subscribe. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott.
0: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air.
3: We bring you in depth, long form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information... Visit our election hub at wabe.org slash election 2024.